Gareth Bale isn't looking so stale. Welcome back, FPL Surgery listeners. Our headlines this week, um, so stats bomb analysis on the season so far, and we discuss strategies after double game week 26, which we're halfway through at the moment. This is episode 205 of the FPL Surgery pod. We are recording. It's Sunday, the 28th of February, and we're edging closer to the halfway point of double game week 26. Manchester United against Chelsea has just put us to sleep, and the Liverpool-Sheffield United game is happening as we record as always i'm here with josh hi there josh evening mate how you doing yeah not too bad not too bad dodged the bruno i want to say the bruno game but obviously bruno didn't get a penalty today um even if maybe he should have so that's quite good how, how about yourself yeah i'm all right i'm all good um it's been a bit of a meh double game week so far i don't kind of think he's really got going yet but they always say you don't really benefit from a double game week until actually the um, the second half starts, really, once you've got the uh, the normal game week fixtures out of the way. So, um, yeah, let's see how it unfolds Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I guess. Well, exactly, because we've recorded midway through some double game weeks recently, haven't we? And it's been those second games, you know, where Leeds, all the Leeds players seem to score after we recorded uh, during yeah, one. And then we had obviously so. Foden scored uh, the week before. But should we, should we get straight into it? Yeah, go for it. Awesome. Um, so we have uh, an FPL surgery regular on the show this week. Um, it's James York from Statsbomb. Statsbomb is an organisation of football analytics experts who have now produced their own proprietary data set of stats. James, he's the head of analysis for Statsbomb, uh, whilst involved in a wide range of other Statsbomb activities and projects, including being the host for the weekly Statsbomb podcast. Welcome back, James. Uh, pleasure to be here. It's been a while, I think. <clears throat> midway through last season I came on back in the old bullion Iceman era and I was originally on like in the summer before that and I knew nothing about FBL at that point <laughs> uh not much has changed on that front uh I, my team is terrible and I wouldn't say I was any kind of expert but you know the, the kind of the stats of football Premier League all these kind of things is has been my profession for a couple of three years now and I, I've I used, you know used to write articles regularly on a weekly basis about the Premier League and kind of stats. So it's it is my territory. It's adjacent to FBL. It's not you know, not exactly the same, but I'm sure that we could we can talk about some interesting things that your listeners will enjoy. I'm sure we will. I mean, I remember listening to your last one. I think it was last Christmas now, so two thousand and nineteen, and you were saying about how you were doing contrarian picks. Mm. Um is that still the case? Pretty much, yeah. It's yeah. not been good. I mean, I was I was I was at four million at one point at the start of this season because I was like hard on Man City when Man City were, were crap, and then like and like I kind of rejected Liverpool from my team most of the season, and that was bad to start with. It's improved since then. I think I'm up at about two million now, which is still terrible in the scheme of things. Like, you know, I'm probably the lowest ranked person to ever be on this podcast. But this, I'm, I have different intentions. My intentions is just to. It's all or nothing. You know, I'd either come top 10 or 4 million. doesn't matter. No middle ground here for me. I think that's the way to play. And I mean, some people today <laughs> have had a lot of joy with them. Um, I've seen some triple captains on bail, for example. So Right, yeah. He was in my team at the start of the season, actually. I, I, it was just this you know, random pick. Tell you what, let's just go for it. Let's have bail in there. And then, of course, he just barely played and wasn't there. So it was like, right, that lasted about two weeks. Shame it wasn't wasn't Son. That would have been. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I don't think I've had Son all season, which is again my contrarian nature coming out. I finally kind of rode in with Bruno, and then obviously you stop getting penalties and such. So you know that was uh, one of one of my 
concessions to the to the group thing so to speak but um yeah it's, it's all good fun like i said i'm not i'm not competitive i'm not in any leagues i only started it because bullying um uh bullying uh, iceman asked me on i thought i should like look at this <laughs> <laughs> well I and, I do, and i do update it i do i would like to do better but like you know it's just, it's just not it's i i don't follow it as uh, i probably followed it a little bit more in depth last year than i have this year but success begets success in some regards i, I think i finished four hundred thousand last year which was fine it was like that wasn't bad for a first go and uh and then like this season it's just been bad so i've been less interested but still kind of like just of just about remembering to update my team kind of thing. well that's good and i mean i'm I'm really looking forward to this episode where you've got some questions especially the brighton one um obviously discussing off air you wouldn't tell us so i can't wait to get to talking about brighton <laughs> strangely enough you can't um, spoil the content you gotta right, go go right. away from it and you don't want Josh to, you to tell Josh and then Josh to steal it as his own. Not not that he'd do that, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um, if we first of all, if we go through our our FPL teams for this game week, so Josh, should we should we start with you? I know it's very early in the game week. We're not even halfway through. We're not no. Um, yeah. So I uh, I bench boosted, um, which is what I've been building towards, and so my transfers. I took out uh, Sun, um, I took out Grealish and I took out Antonio and I brought in Harvey Barnes, Lookman and Kane. Um, so that was all for a minus four, so three transfers um, and Captain Kane. Um, basically, I, I wanted Kane, I wanted him as my captain this week. I feel he's the best captain, um, definitely on paper anyway. And um, the only way to get to him really was to either lose Salah Bruno or Son and I felt that Son was the one to go I didn't really like the idea of being doubled up on Spurs um, going into game week 27 and 28 um, do you regret not, that now <laughs> not really because they've not been in great form as a team I feel that the way that they're playing now with their new setup um, I feel like Sun will be a lot wider um, rather than playing through the middle with Kane he'll be he'll be wide of a three rather than central in a two so um, that was my thinking um, it also you know I'm not putting all my eggs in one one basket with Captain Kane and Sun. I'm spreading them a little bit more with, um, you know, we all know what Salah and Bruno can do week on week. We, we know they're both on penalties. We know they play for, you know, two of the best teams in the league. Um, and also it covers the captaincy moving forward in, in future weeks. So, yeah, happy with that. Grealish, as we know, was, um, was uh, obviously ruled out for Leeds. Um, and um, Antonio, it was actually not a simple one between who to lose, Antonio or Bamford, but I just felt like Bamford was more essential for 29 um, than Antonio. And then, um, yeah, as I said, I, I wanted Kane. Lookman, I feel, is a great pick at the moment. Um, obviously, got the double in 26, lovely fixture in 29 at home to Leeds. And then it was a tough one who to go for for Grealish, um, but I couldn't really see past Harvey Barnes on current form. Unfortunately, he's picked up an injury now, so he won't be playing for the rest of the game week 26 and, and uh, have to shift him out next week um, because my bench is pretty weak in terms of covering him. So, um, yeah, let's see uh, hopefully where we're at the end of the game week and um, lots, lots and lots of fixtures to play and uh, hopefully lots more points on their way. 
Yeah, your bench boost suffered the similar fate to my one, where you know with Leeds not performing um, when you've activated the bench boost chip. But we, we move on to your team, James. So, I mean, how, how's your game week been so far? I think it's been okay, but like um, a couple of big misses. Like obviously, Sterling's in there and he's my captain. But I've been loyal to him. I had him most of last season. I've had him nearly a lot of this season, I think. I just think he was underpicked for for ages, which is this is this is where my mentality comes in. You know, I sit sit there and see Sterling at like kind of I don't know seven or eight percent like of teams, and it's like right, well I'll have him then because uh, I'll I'll show everyone, and then it really <laughs> didn't pan out yesterday because he didn't, he didn't play, and I imagine he'll probably play against Wolves. Um, but he's been good. He's been, he's been scoring nearly every week, and he's I've just I'm not creative enough to mix my captains around, so he's been captain most of the time recently. Um, I, who else do I? I like, I've got Neto in. There. I quite like Neto. He's 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 been a, a kind of like quiet achiever recently. Mm. Not a really obvious kind of a high profile kind of guy. And I did bring Kane back in quite as soon as he was. Yeah, he, he came back didn't he surprisingly? And then I, I think I switched him around with Werner and someone else last week. My complete wild card at the moment is Sam Max Maximan. I don't really like him in there, but I I just got got sick of Matthias Click, who I'd had in my team I think nearly all season, and then you know kind of got stared at him one week and thought like, why are you here? Why what are you doing? What are you contributing? <laughs> this isn't enough. Um, what, what, what big so Maximan's are... fun to watch. I, I kind of like him for that reason. But when he, he plays. Was... <laughs> Yeah, it was, it was one of those, you know, kind of like five point. I've got five point something million, and I need to pick someone who isn't, you know, isn't. Just he's, he's a typical useless. Newcastle player, isn't he? He's like they always have one player that gets the fans off their seats. You know, they used to have Ben Arthur, and now yeah. it's sort of Sim Maximum's job to, you know, the the rest of the team are really, you know, really dull and boring in the way they play and, and uh, under Bruce's sort of style. But he's the one that when he gets the ball, they're all like. Here we go. Um, but yeah, I think he's uh, he's just so injury prone, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, he's he's, he's yellow now. So the, I mean, the funny thing, I mean, this, this shows how how well intentioned I am over this. this game. I switched out click because he only had one one uh, you know one match this game week, didn't he? And so I went through and was like, okay, check, check, yeah, okay, Sam Maximum man, right, transfer. Oh, for Christ's sake, he's only got one game week as well. So that was clever. Genius, genius bit of work that was. <laughs> and that was a, so maybe that's why I'm resenting him now. And then and he's injured. It's like why have I got this guy on my team? The travails of uh, FPL. I know. When, you, when you're me. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny actually because I, obviously you wouldn't know this, but um, Iceman messaged me and Josh like a few weeks ago saying that you'd said that Mane was criminally underowned. So I actually yeah. I got Mane in because I couldn't believe it when I looked at his stats. I hadn't mm. noticed it. I got him in. Obviously, he got injured in training and Klopp hadn't mentioned it. So it was horrific. But Mane, I mean, is that the kind of player you like as well then? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think I've had him in my team. But like I, again, I just find it quite surprising when, when you look at someone like that who's down at kind of like 7% kind of inclusion. Mm. He's a weird one. I remember just before he went to Liverpool, he had like... He had a really hot run where he scored a ton of goals for Southampton all, all in a short space of time. And I feel like he's a bit like that. He's a bit of a streaky kind of player. I noticed earlier doing a little bit of research on this. He's miles behind his expected numbers this season. He's just, you know, just really hasn't been firing in, in some regard. And so then he looks expensive. But like that, that's the kind of player I, I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued in because I think he's gen- generally his 
his his expected numbers, like you know what you'd expect to get from him, are relatively solid. They're not that far away from that from last season. And of course, everyone abandons ship and loads up on your Brunos and your you know all the kind of like high high contributors. So there's some there's some, there's some great premium differentials, isn't there? Really in the mm. sort of Mane over Salah, Sterling over KDB. You know, just go for the the lesser known you know the lesser known brother at a similar price and um you can <laughs> yeah. actually end up with um with with similar or higher points if it goes your way yeah i still think sterling's under under kind of undervalued at the moment i mean maybe it's gone up i haven't looked recently but then i've got gabriel jesus in my team which but the sheer logic of the fact he was playing like every week up front for man city that's 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 a nice position for for a guy mm. So why can't he hit a barn door? It's really frustrating. <laughs> like, come on, man. Like, can you please uh, do better? But yeah, City are interesting anyway in that regard. And maybe we'll, maybe we'll come back to that in a bit. Because, you know, the choices of, of you know, who you, who you could potentially pick for City at any given moment is, you know, quite quite difficult. You, you know what it's like? Some teams are quite easy, aren't they? You can, you can say, like, right, Man United is a good example, isn't it? Like, Bruno is probably, like head and shoulders above anyone else in that team that to pick and maybe there's one or two others you'll think about and then other teams it's like right okay there's seven or eight players that have all got a, a case that i can actually pick and I, and I don't know which way to turn here so yeah, yeah. man see a bit like that and with the obviously you mentioned uh there's lower owned differential players we can look for i think that's what i've tried to do on, on my wild card um so i wild carded this week but i've decided not to go with bruno and not to go with salah i mean so far it's worked because i've gone for son and i went for de bruyne i also went for vardy as a bit of a differential that's not so yeah, good yeah. Um, but yeah i captain kane so i did keep the captain quite boring but gone quite high risk going de bruyne and son over salah and bruno because I mean, I think Man United have got quite tough upcoming fixtures. Um, obviously, we knew today the Chelsea game. I think that had nil-nil written all over it before it even before it even started as well. And it was just those City players, like you mentioned, James, that trying to pick which three is, is a nightmare. So I, I went for De Bruyne, Gundogan and, and Cancelo, um, obviously not realising that it was going to be the centre-backs who decide to score. Um, mm-hmm. but, yeah, um, but like like we mentioned, it's it's very, very early in the game week. If you want to join the FPL Surgery Patreon, please Google FPL Surgery Patreon or go to patreon.com forward slash FPL Surgery. Ron Frost, Ross from FPL Merch and Andy Portlock, they're pledging at the highest tier. So they get an extra special mention each week. Um, and thank you to all of our patrons. And I think, Josh, we're going to try and, you know, try and get a Patreon pod in at some point. Now I'm all settled in in the new house. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I don't know what but, it would be on. Well, we've something. done a couple, haven't we, this season? Um, so um, be good to do another roundup of uh, of the various Patreon leagues, goal scorer challenge, the score predictor. Um, and all that good stuff and um, normally we cover a hot topic as well don't we which um, yeah. is um, I'm sure we can conjure something up uh, yeah, to the focus goal score on challenge has been fun I've been enjoying that a bit more than FPL recently yeah, it's, it's more frustrating <laughs> trying to pick one player to score each week it is good um, we're getting to that point of the season now though where uh, a lot of people have used all their decent picks and you've uh, not got that many left yeah, I think I had Undumbele today, so maybe I'm just playing it wrong. So our first headline is the stats bomb analysis of the season so far. James, we've got quite a lot of questions, actually. So yeah, go em- for it. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Ready to be bombarded. Emma on our Slack channel has said, anything in this football season surprised you? Ask, also asking, James, what you think of Foden? 
and if you have them in your team. So we know you don't have them in your team. Should we start with if anything in the football season surprised you? I don't. I'm not sure actually. I mean, there's a, there's this huge narrative around, isn't it, that this is the season like no other, you know, and 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 I, I accept that there are. Uh, you know, there are elements around it that are like no other, you know, lack of fans and um, slightly, you know, slightly compressed schedule and this kind of thing. I, I get my personal view is that people are now overstating it. It's almost like you're kind of like, oh, well, this is just, you know, there are so many games and everyone's getting injured. Well, there are always loads of games in December and January and everyone always gets injured in December and January. That isn't like particularly new. Maybe there's a couple of you know lack of lack of quiet game weeks um and obviously we're seeing you know midweek play for if, even if it's not league players um, you know european and such but yeah i think people are possibly overstating that and uh, something that's that's kind of taking time to time to shake out is a lot of things that are expected are like kind of coming to be now you can flip man city and liverpool from this season and last season uh insofar as you know one of the they're, they're both the superior teams in the league but one of them's having an absolute nightmare and the other one's absolutely flying and and i think as we get towards the end of the season we'll see that the cream will rise to the top i'm, I'm quite sweet sweet on chelsea I, I appreciate tuchel's gone in there and is not playing you know they're not playing electric football but they just given up nothing at the moment. Their defence is really kind of sound. So I think they're a, they're a good solid bet for third. Man United have probably got enough points on the board. Um, maybe they're you know for, not for the position, but if there's a top four, then I reckon it will be an expected top four. Maybe Leicester are the ones that drop out. Although they've got the points on the board as well. You know, it's it's not the season uh, like no other, even though it is a little bit. If that makes sense. It does. So do you still think, and it's really difficult because we're, obviously we're recording during the Liverpool game. So you, we, you could answer something and then Liverpool lose 6-0 to Sheffield United. <laughs> but I mean, so do you still think Liverpool will finish, you know, towards the top of the league and are one of the better teams in the league? Yeah, I mean, the, the yeah. expected numbers are, are not that far away from where we were last season. And it's, the variance around these things, you know, you know, kind of confuses people a little bit. Yeah. Now, don't get me wrong, like some some aspects are obviously different. It's hard to play when you've got no senior centre backs, and it does it does affect, you know, your quality of play. But at the same time, they've played most of the season with their their front three from last year. Uh, their fullbacks, who are obviously their creative outlets, have been been on the pitch. It's not like they haven't had. Um, you know, an attack and attacking unit to go go to war with, and their metrics kind of reflect that. But then they're in a bit of a finishing fog. Um, Mane obviously um, is behind this this season um, and hadn't been in recent, I think, at least a couple of seasons before. So he struggled for goals. Salah's doing fine, I think. Uh, but then Firmino, again, off the back of being behind last season, is expected them as he's behind again and people are kind of like oh well wondering well what's going on with that you know is is he is he a bad finisher there's there's this well i think we're going to talk about brighton in a little bit but like the whole idea about finishing is interesting to me because essentially what you're looking at the players aren't the, the variance of like what a player scores versus what you'd expect them to is rarely large enough to actually definitively say uh, like this player is a bad finisher or this player is an exceedingly good finisher unless you're looking at multiple seasons. So if you look at Firmino and think, um, OK, he's spent two seasons and been behind his expected numbers, that isn't actually enough time to actually say, right, OK, he's not a good finisher. He's actually quite a versatile finisher. He can score with his head, he can score with both feet. Um, and he's been on a quiet run for know, 18 months or so. That can happen. Um but I wouldn't give up on him like quite yet. And but these these factors are constantly milling around. Uh, Man City are just 
uh, electric though and you know it's the, they really have kind of like switched up a gear uh, after being they, their metrics early season were quite quite moderate by their own standards but they've you know improved back to the level that we've seen uh, you know in some of their better seasons um, just been that defense isn't it really yeah that yeah that, that's and that's interesting isn't it because the defense is something that's been you know they've been criticized for in the past mainly when it goes wrong you know visions in you know Nicholas Osamendi kind of like charging back trying to rescue a situation and you think oh man Syria so a bit vulnerable and then you look at their numbers and it's like actually they give up six shots a game and they have mm-hmm. done for I like think it's just three more or four like, years yeah the, the the obviously Diaz has been you know one of the best signings in recent years really in the Premier League but also that I think um, less so recently because obviously Gundogan's been playing a, a, a different position but at the start of the season what, when they did start to click you almost had sort of two holding midfielders behind De Bruyne and he's never had that before he's always mm. you know had quite a um, you know a, a responsibility on his shoulders for all parts of the game whereas this season it's been like right you've got a solid back four behind you you've got two holding midfielders go out and play and um you know really with with um with De Bruyne and uh and a, and a great front three they can kill off any teams especially when they're not conceding because of what they've got behind them Man City's front three it's 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 three of what five or six isn't it most weeks and and they're all pretty capable they're all pretty handy um you know there are so many choices around this and that kind of relates to the Foden point that you know is a kind of back end of that question like Foden's brilliant he's really good and you know you, you it's hard to dislike what you see from him from an FPL perspective I don't know if I if I can pick him I don't know if he's going to play this is one reason I've had Sterling in my team almost throughout because he nearly always plays De Bruyne nearly always plays and Gunduan probably does now Cancelo, you know, and Diaz, you know, they're probably going to play, but yeah, it's just it's just difficult to be to be you know rating a player and knowing if a player is going to play are two different things. It is difficult, and it's funny with Foden and Sterling because it's almost getting to the point, and I could be wrong, and it could completely change where Foden's almost as nailed on a starter as Sterling, uh, obviously for a much cheaper price in FPL, yeah. but at the same time, what you said is valid, and I did remove him from my FPL team because there's just so many other options as well um, like Gundogan etc um, but that I guess that answers Emma's question so we'll move on we've got one from Jonathan on Slack so Jonathan's asking some FPL players like to pick players with Premier League experience in the beginning of the season that they've already proven themselves at this level to what extent can we predict that a player's stats from a different league will translate translate well into the Premier League are there any adjustments made? Uh, any normalisation made between leagues, etc.? E.g., when teams from different leagues play each other in the Champions League, Europa League. Thanks. So maybe this is aimed at players like Werner and Havertz. Um, obviously, a lot of people went for Werner early season, and it was a bit of a disaster. I mean, when you are analysing stats, James, do you, I mean, do they translate across leagues, for example? Well, so I think you, you can you can you can generally it's, I'm not going to give you anything that you don't already know here I don't mm. think because I think you can generally you can generally say that if if a, t- a player is performing within say you know the big five European leagues then then the, the possibility of translation is fairly solid like you know they're, they're okay they're different quality Premier League's you know probably the best league at the moment La Liga is probably second Bundesliga and then France kind of slightly ahead of Serie A but Generally, if you're performing in one of these leagues, then you can you, you can be reasonably confident that you know, a player has the innate ability to 
you know, succeed in a different uh, team in a different competition. But it's a really, really hard question to actually um, to quantify it and actually say like, right, okay, it's hard enough to say like how good are teams in each league with with accurate reliability. Obviously, the betting world is fascinated by this because you know this this will f- fuel a lot of their information and there'll be betting models that kind of fuel into this but to actually to actually specifically say uh we have you know a player that plays in this league and they are this quality uh and based on you know say premier league a, a premier league standard now i know there are companies out there that that offer answers to this question i would be a little bit skeptical about how reliable those answers will be um it's just innately difficult you know the the obvious point that you made there of say Werner and Havertz like not seemingly translating well we've had plenty of players come out of Bundesliga who have translated and you know what other massive signings have we had in recent years someone like Fernandes but Bruno he came in and literally hit the ground running and has been a great signing and a great player for FPL and in reality but then roles within teams count for a lot as well Bruno came in and he basically got given the keys at Man United didn't he He he's like okay you know, do your best, mate. You can run this team, and maybe it's diff- different at, so it's, uh, at Chelsea, where, um, say Havertz. I think Havertz, p- particularly, it feels like what it's unsure what his position is really in that in that team under either manager potentially going forward. Uh, Werner, little even there's even questions about Werner, isn't he? If he's if he's going to play kind of like from the, from wide, or you know, could could they convert him to play centrally? So yeah, this. It's really difficult. I, I think if we brought, boil it back down to FBL, I'd probably say like it's worth like, you know, the, the season is in front of you. It's worth having a couple of guys in there that could could hit fast, you know, and if they don't, then don't don't be shy. Get rid of them, you know, quickly. But I'd, I'd always want that flexibility, I think, just just to kind of, uh, you know, get ahead of the game i think it was was last season i mean there's not there was no secret around vardy really last season but he wasn't very really fashionable for whatever reason he's probably got fashionable again after a good season but i just picked him because i just thought like okay you know he's he doesn't seem to be as valued as he should be and you know he's this good and that yeah. I, I again it doesn't it doesn't guarantee success as my measurable ranking suggests <laughs> but but i like i like that way of thinking and that's that's partly my temperament towards this and as I say, maybe it doesn't provide FPL success. I resent the idea that I've just got to pick penalty takers for all my positions, but you know. <laughs> no, I mean, I just got, I went for Vardy for pretty similar reasons to, to what you've just said. Just with new players to the league, actually, I just thought, obviously, we gave the example of the, the German players, but I mean, Bamford was a, he was a very unfashionable pick, as in he was cheap, but he only scored 16 goals last season. I believe he really underperformed his XG and people were quite anti Bamford. So, yeah, no, he did, yeah. but that's that's a great example of where you can actually say like, right, okay, um, this this guy is producing like solid, really solid numbers. Now, if he'd have matched his XG and scored, I don't know, say 25 goals or whatever it might have been, and he's coming up into the Premier League, then people will probably be a little bit more positive about him. Now, the the important thing really is, are they getting the chances? The, whether, whether they finish the chances is, is a secondary issue that isn't actually, when it comes to you know using stats to look at football, is, is less of an less of an issue. If you've got a player that can create chance, sorry, that can get chances, then you're most of the way there, and hopefully the finishing will follow. But Mamba's a great example because like he would, I I felt at the start of the season, I don't think I had him, I've had him in my team at all, but I felt that he was going to play. He was going to start. He was going to be given a chance to succeed in the Premier League. And if you're, you know, up front for Leeds 
and the, the main striker for Leeds. That's quite a charmed position. You know, it's 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 a little bit like being, you know, Bruno for Man United. You're, you're being given the chance to succeed and, and contribute at, in an attacking form. You know, you're not, I don't know, some, it's, it's not like Christian Benteke who's just been asked to literally just like win high balls. And, you know, if he gets a goal once a, once a month, you know, well, that's great. You know, you're you're playing up front for Leeds in a kind of fluid passing system. Then you you should get chances, and if you get the chances, then you know there's a chance you can ha- you can hit a nice run and score well. And he has done. You know, maybe Calvert Lewin, someone like that. Although obviously, obviously he's a bit more of a kind of an aerial talent, but you know, but just being given the opportunity to succeed and and have teams play to your strengths. You know, maybe that's a subtlety that um kind of kind of comes in when it, when you're actually thinking about who you who you're picking for a team. Yeah, it's interesting that because, I mean, Pookie was one uh, people went for because he did score a lot of goals um, in the Premier League. And then they have both pretty similar starts to starts of the season. Well, yeah, Josh... I've got to think, think about, sorry, I've got to think about Pookie because everyone, everyone, everyone kind of like got hung up on the idea that he was he was good and he was right for the <laughs> league because he had those early goals, wasn't it? It was a real fashion, fashionable thing. And then he kind of petered out and he scored at much lower rates and, you know, kind of it drifted. So, yeah, don't get don't get kidded by you know, some kind of outsized skews at the start of a season, I think, really. Yeah, he dropped off a cliff um, after after the first few games of last season. Um, but Josh, you, met, you obviously you mentioned Bamford, didn't you, on an earlier, like one of the first pods we did, but then you ne- you didn't actually go for him. No, I, I, was, I was always a bit concerned about Rodrigo, really, because we never really knew what role he was going to play. And when they signed him in the summer, and he was, I think he was their most expensive signing, or very close to... It was always a bit like, is he being brought in as the competition? Is he going to eventually emulate Bamford as their as their chosen front man? And that always made always made me a little bit nervous, really. Um, and then obviously we saw as time went on that he was going to be more of the the sort of the guy behind him uh, in almost like an attacking midfield sort of lone role behind Bamford. So, yeah, I think he's done great. Um, I loved his stats. Um, and I thought Mitrovic's stats were incredible as well. The difference with Mitrovic's expected goals versus Bamford's, though, from last season in the Championship was that the Mitrovic's, Mitrovic's were heavily swayed by the amount of penalties he'd had. Whereas I do believe that Klitsch was their main penalty taker last season um, for for Leeds. So Bamford's was a lot of it was open play. Um, so, yeah, I think, um, as I said earlier in a previous pod, I just would love... I mean, I think, don't get me wrong, Bamford's been fantastic this season and, 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 and fair play to him. But I would just love to have seen what, um, what Leeds would have done this season with a fit Sergio Aguero or Harry Kane up front. Because I just think they could have absolutely... <laughs> They yeah. could have. They could have been serious top four contenders. Uh, I think that Leeds fans will have to to dream on with that. But, um, they'd be, um, they, they, they'd, they'd be uh, wetting their lips as well with Rafinha uh, whipping balls in at the moment because he's in the form of his life. He looks one of the best players in the league at the moment. I haven't really noticed much about him till recently, and I was kind of looking at some numbers before this, and it was like, oh right, yeah, Rafinha is like pretty good. Like, there's, there's a lot to like there, isn't he? He's he's got to be he's got to be going somewhere in the summer. Really, I mean, I think they're a great, great team to play for because you can see that the, there's a real unity between their players. Obviously, Marcelo Bielsa is a fantastic, you know, manager, really well respected. But I don't know why he'd stick around there when he he should be playing Champions League football. 
And we've got a question from J-Ross. So it might overlap with some Man City chat you had earlier, but J-Ross has asked, Man City have been on a historic winning streak. Do the underlying stats also reflect this historic run or have they fallen on the right side of variance? So, James, if we go to you. Yeah, no, I mean, they're, they're just really good. I mean, they're always really good. <laughs> they're always really good. I mean, at the moment, like, um, I'm just, yeah, quite looking at, say, last kind of 12 games. I think that's 12 games is like 2021. 20, like their expected goal difference is like plus 1.4 per game, which is insanely high. Like if they if they match that, they'd be really good. But their actual non uh, yeah non this is non penalty. Their actual non penalty goal difference is plus 2.1 during that spell. So this is just you know step above like everyone else. But there are periods during last season where their metrics looked really good, but they just they just you know kind of kept managing they kept finding ways to lose games i just love the way they're playing at the moment like is there's just no risk and if you look at them in previous years uh, under pep you, you you look at them and you go they could they could tonk a team you know six seven eight nil whereas now you look at them and go they're unlikely to beat your team six or seven or eight nil but they're also very unlikely to concede and therefore they're winning games you know 2-0, 3-0, and every single every single game they're just looking like it's a walk in the park. And and you and you're not getting teams turning up and playing them and going, Do you know what? I reckon if we, you know, try and hit them on the break, we've got a chance here, because they just haven't. Um and obviously, you know, with 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 the likes of Liverpool not being up to their normal standards, um, they've um yeah, they're, they're them essentially reinforcing at the back with the likes of Diaz and obviously a reborn John Stones um, and Cancelo, who's obviously kicked on to another level this year. I just think it's just made all the difference, particularly in a year when Liverpool, their arch rivals, have had no Van Dijk amongst others. And they've got the squad as well. This is the thing. Man City have genuinely got the depth to actually cope with, with, with you know, a, a heavy schedule or some injuries. Uh, I don't think Liverpool have got the same depth and had a, re- you know, last season and maybe the season four, a lot of their, a lot of their um, success was built on having the same team week in, week out and it being, you know, you're an elite 11 and that, you know, even dropping off a couple of players, it makes it, makes it more difficult. And, but Man City can, can, can ride that, you know, they, they've had De Bruyne out for a few weeks and you, you don't even notice. I couldn't that, believe You know, that's, that's ridiculous, isn't it? Yeah, because you know? in recent seasons when he has been out, there's been a stark contrast between them with De Bruyne and without De Bruyne. It's been crazy. Whereas this season, didn't even know he, he was it. he no he missed he missed a lot of i think it was 17 18 he missed a lot of that season yeah, seven, like nine yeah. times and they and they've gotten like 98 points or 99 points or something so i know what you mean it's it's it, you, you you don't see him out there and because he, he plays in such a subtly well not subtly he plays in a different way to everyone else in the team doesn't he like he's the one guy who actually like makes attempts to make this kind of like crucial ball at any given moment and yeah. has the ability to do it Everyone else kind of like they're they're more the rest of them are more kind of soldiers. They'll keep just prodding and prodding and prodding until you know they find find the moment. So yeah, I, just I mean found different ways of playing as well. Like before, it was very much like give the ball to De Bruyne, and then he's targeting the likes of Aguero in the box. Whereas this season they've not really had Aguero, so it's been very much they've played like a false nine. They've played obviously Gundogan's been one of their key players scoring a lot of goals essentially in like a 10 role. So I think they've just, I don't know, he, he Pep's had to be a bit more creative, but he's 
he's just worked, isn't it? It was funny that because you remember that game they drew one all with West Brom, um, and I just remember De Bruyne was just he created so many chances in that game. It was their only game plan, and that was obviously only a, a few weeks ago. Then he was out, and they seemed to be just fine without De Bruyne but obviously obviously he's back now and he, he showed I mean because that was quite a drab game yesterday that West Ham game wasn't it and obviously he created that yeah, it's the worst they looked for, for it's the worst they looked for a while but I really do think that actually there is a bigger difference when Cancelo is not playing than when De Bruyne is not playing because I just think wow. there's no one else that can play that position that's crazy <laughs> so you I, know, I, do, I, I think what I mean while while De Bruyne is clearly their best player and probably the best player in the Premier League. I just think that, you know, he you know, Mares is is very good creatively and 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 so's Cancelo, but I just don't think that that whole way that they play it, that they go to a three at the back and Cancelo operates in midfield. I don't think that Zinchenko can do it on the other side. I don't think Carl Walker can do it. I just think that yeah, Cancelo's just kind of you know, a really, really a bit of a secret weapon for them really this for, season. for FPL I like the kind of team that, that James mentioned so that Liverpool team where you have a best 11 because it just makes FPL so, mm. so much easier and I guess that's why the Liverpool players are so expensive because you knew they were going to all play um, but we got a question from Bromfrosk um, so Bromfrosk is asking how has the availability of stats changed the FPL scene over the years as a rookie player stats has always been there how did you how did people even choose players prior to this so I guess ever since I played FPL, I remember using Fantasy Football Scout and just looking at shot long before XG and stuff. I looked at shots in the box, etc. James, I mean, how long have you been doing this, and how long have these stats been around? Yeah, I mean, like, I, you know, I've only, like I said, I said I only started playing like FPL last season, but like I've been right, I've been writing about football stats and stuff since about 2014. Like Stats Bomb started as a blog in 2013, and I got involved about a year later. Literally inspired by Stats Bomb, I read the blog every week, and you know, they, the couple of guys that came before me were like really like avid writers, and like just used to have stuff out all the time. It was great. It was like, oh, this is really interesting. This, you know, I, I was a kid that used to like look at the assist charts if they were in a newspaper and be interested in that. So it's like this is a natural, <laughs> natural progression. It took 20 years or something for you know for for it to kind of like capture beyond that but it was like yeah this is brilliant and there were a load of blogs around in those days and i thought i'll just, I'll, I'll get into this and so what you used to do in those days it was like something like who scored who scored has always been around in like somewhere you just like kind of like i used to transcribe numbers off who scored and just like look at them and ponder ponder things and that was without even an fpl kind of target it was just became a hobby and an interest and you know you had things like i guess there are plenty of things that like, kind of predate that and various places, various places, but you had stuff like, you know, Squawker held numbers. It was always because Opta were the only company like, in those days. And like, you know, it was a case of like, they'd sell their data to various organizations who put it on the internet. So it was a case of like, right, who's got this data. And sometimes some of it was quite hard to access. I imagine these, these kind of things have powered FBL, you know, the shrewd players for many years now. But the accessibility has just exploded. Like, you know, my company, Starts Bomb, we provide FB Ref. I know um, FB Ref has become really popular with people, you know, just following the kind of like the stats of the game because of the, the broadness of what they put on there. And they put expected numbers in amongst a lot of different kind of like uh, ways of looking at the game and different kind of like passing numbers and, you know, defensive numbers. And we, we collect pressure numbers. So you can really look at the game through a, many different lenses to kind of like understand what's going on and yeah i, I can only presume that uh, you know again the, the accessibility of uh, stats in and you know in, in the wider environment is is going to kind of 
boost the interest i know there's people that you know do modeling with with the various stats you can get be them the, the official fbl stats or other stats that you get and you know to try and create optimal teams and all this kind of stuff and it's fun isn't it i mean like F, fpl is it, it whatever level you're in at fbl whether you're just playing it you know just in your kind of like your office league just to beat the guy that in accounts you gets on your nerves and you just want to beat him at it or whether you you know you're all in and it's your whole life or whatever it is then you know it, yeah. it, it fits it fits many kind of um, many kind of lifestyles i think and yeah definitely definitely the, the star side of thing is uh you know it's not it's not going away and it's going to grow all the time i think i mean that's the only reason i started was to win like the office mini league i mean this yeah. is going back a long long way that was why i started looking at stuff like shots um, hmm. shots in the box and stuff but i don't remember obviously going back to when there was cfax and stuff you know i don't remember there being like shots and xg and all that back back then for example but i have to say like i love i love the way that fpl has exploded and now there's obviously only now there's over eight million players playing and you know it's, it's getting huge. harder Hey, it's getting harder it's getting harder there's um there's there's you know uh people talking managers talking about it in their press conferences and players getting banned from it and you know it, it, it's it's absolutely exploded but oh my god take me back to the day when there was nothing available because it was it was just fantastic it was raw it was natural and it was all about you using your own brain basically to 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 you know find out what the best players to bring in and why and whatnot and i remember you used to get one wild card a season you used to get no there was no chips um and there was no stats around so match of the day was absolutely essential <laughs> whereas now you can re- you could get away without watching it all season um and you'll still know who had the most number of shots in the box and xg and you know who was hot and who was not and whatnot. And, um, and I think that, you know, I mean, I used to use really, it was, yeah, it, it was match of the day, watching obviously games live. The newspaper was, was a lot of it reading articles and, um, and then searching on Google really. And, um, and actually, you know, looking and, and, and a lot of it, I actually would say that a lot of it um, was based on, on, on I would from my perspective that's what made me more of a fixtures based manager than a form based manager because you didn't have the stats to look at you couldn't see that you know I don't know Harry Kane was, was has had the most shots in the box over the last four game weeks it was all about right who's got the best fixtures who are the best players of those teams and that's who you need to target for the for the upcoming game weeks really and um yeah it was great fun but yeah like like anything that's good and anything that people enjoy it it um it explodes and um then becomes more popular what about injuries in relation to that because i guess injury injury info i mean as much as managers aren't massive liars all the time but I guess the info is more reliable now. There's more. Yeah, definitely. Like, yeah. That must have been frustrating back in the day when you just had no idea about players, or not no idea, but you know it was it was probably hardest to get reliable information about teams and you know week to week. I guess I don't that's... remember them. I don't remember there being um, embargoed press conferences <laughs> and uh, you know transcripts written out. You know, um, or, or who said? Yeah, who said, they didn't even use to update the flags on the on the FPL websites. Become a lot more clever, as in they didn't always used to even know there was an injury. Like, yeah, we might know, but the game wouldn't update. But mm. also, I don't think I cared as much back then. 
obviously I wasn't mm. doing this podcast and stuff. So, I mean, it wouldn't ruin my weekend as much if, if Mane was injured, for example. I'll just, I'll just check on maybe oh, Sunday. I've been, and be like, oh, I've, been uh, I've been in deep <laughs> since since the word go, mate. 2006, 2007. It's um, <laughs> I, I went, I went into. I think I might have mentioned this story when we were did that um, that podcast uh, with the um, the getting to know you podcast with three amigos. Um, the first time I came to play FPL, I walked into my first job after uni, and I was 22, and. Um, my day first day and they were like oh do you fancy joining our, our mini league we're going to play fancy premier league it's the first season of it happening and i was like okay yeah sounds great and it was 50 quid buy-in which which at that time as 22 year old just starting his first job um was was quite a bit of money and so for that reason i had to take it bloody seriously um, <laughs> was that when you came 500 that no that was no 516 that, would have been funny. that was three sacked. seasons later no, <laughs> I came, yeah no i came 56k in my first season um which you know was all right in my first season in 2006 2007 i remember um it was yeah like i just basically was finding everything out as i went along really and um yeah. How many how many players were there then? You're going to tell us there were like sixty thousand players. <laughs> right? um, That's what I, was I don't know. I reckon about two two and a half mil. Really? It was still yeah. it was still pretty big then. Then. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Early on. I mean, because it, it's the official one, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um. So it gets a lot of promo, and um. You know, it's it's got all the right. You know, it's always going to be the biggest one over the Sun or the Telegraph or Sky Sports because it's the official one. So um, yeah, good times. Shall we move on to the big question then? So we've got this question from Callum, and I think a lot of people have been discussing it over the last few days. Callum even says, you probably get this a lot, but how do we interpret what is going on at Brighton? How much of these variances can we put down to luck slash randomness or tangible things that can be improved? Um, so, James, we are hand you the floor here. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no idea, to be honest. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, the, the, this, this has been rumbling around like uh, the last couple of days, I think, and probably for longer than that, because Brighton are quite obviously like the team that's that they're, they're expected numbers and their shot, even their sh- just the shot numbers. It's not necessarily just, you know, the, the expected goals, but like it, they're, they're much better than their actual <clears throat> their actual returns. Um, it seems to have, like, after yesterday missing two penalties and, and good chances and such, uh, it seems to have kind of, like, fixated now on their attack. <clears throat> now, since Morpai's been in the in the top league, he's been kind of undershooting his expected numbers. That maybe suggests that he could be, like, uh, you know, a sub-par finisher. And I know people have looked into this, um, watched all his shots back and such. Um, but... I think the thing about Brighton this season is is like they've got multiple players that are kind of like under expectation. So if you look at kind of like anyone that has taken any kind of volume of shots for for Brighton, I think but for the, out of five, I think they've got five players that have, that have played X amount of minutes and take two on two shots per game. And four of them are under expectation. Now that's pretty unlucky. Like the 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 skill is getting the shots mainly, and then fin- finishing. Okay, yeah, you want Messi taking a shot rather than I don't know Ryan Shawcross or something. But beyond that, you know, the, the getting this getting the shots is is the most most kind of relevant part of it. But the thing is, they've they've been underachieving at both ends. So like the defense is actually really quite good. They give up some like eight or nine shots per game. The expected values track with that, so like 0.8 per game. Um, but their keeper, um, Ryan, who I think he's gone to Arsenal now, he had an absolute mare at the start of the season. It was just mm. you know, like nothing, was saving nothing. Uh, Sanchez has come in and been better. 
and uh, so that's helped that end of things but essentially you look at season-long numbers for brighton and you've got like two skews uh, and the larger one is actually in their defense which you know maybe maybe have been solved by replacing the keeper and you know things averaging out uh you know the big picture is like generally most of what's affecting brighton is l- probably luck related and it's the the you know the million dollar question the part of the end of the rainbow kind of thing is like how much of what brighton are, you know how much of it is luck and how much of it is is skill related now if you could answer those questions then you could turn professionals a gambler and probably make a lot of money because it's innately difficult to actually understand the difference but you know if i was brighton's owner who is uh, in relation to you know a, a known syndicate uh, owner um, then I would be looking at their numbers and saying like, right, okay, we are doing what we would, would hope to do. And let's hope that the variance improves as we go forward. Um, I would expect that Brighton will get more points going towards the rest of the season that proportioning than they have up to now uh, because of this. And I'd be a lot more happy to be, you know, owning Brighton or, you know, watching Brighton than I would say someone like Newcastle, whose metrics have been generally poor for two seasons and could quite easily like slide towards the trapdoor. It doesn't mean that Brighton are safe or that things can't go wrong. But, you know, if you balance these things out, then what do you want? If you want all the points and goals you can get, um, you also want good metrics. You kind of want it all. Um, Brighton have got the metrics. They haven't quite got the goals and the points, but they should drift upwards um, as we go through the rest of the season. And I'd be, I'd be relatively confident of that happening rather than concerned about the problems and thinking that you need to solve problems. I'd say if I was, you know, Graham Potter was sat here, I'd say, just keep at it, mate. I think you'll be all right. (laughs) Something that sums Brighton up maybe this season. I I remember early in the season, Trossard hit the bar and both posts in the, in the same game. Well, there you go. Yeah. 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 So, so so just to wrap up Brighton, I mean, they are good defensively then. Mm, Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, they're, they're, like I say, like, you know, shots and XG kind of speak to each other because, because you know, the shot volume is is re- is as relevant as the XG quite re- often. Because, you know, if if you're if you're conceding, um, uh, you know, a high XG but off a low amount of shots, then okay, why are you giving up the high value chances and vice versa? You can see a lot of shots, but they're all low value, then you probably don't care as much. Now they they track. They concede about nine goals. Uh, sorry, about nine shots per game, which is excellent, like kind of top five in the league for amount of shots. And the value of those shots is no worse than league average and possibly a little bit better. So like defensively, you look at Brighton, you say like, right, that's that's the profile of a team in defence that we would want. Their, their attack isn't great. It's kind of a, probably about league average and it's converting at, you know, much less than that. But there's, there's something to build on here. It's definitely, you know, there's a strong basis of a team there. And that wasn't, wasn't the case under Hewton. Like under Hewton, they far more look like, say, you know, Steve Reese's Newcastle, you know, kind of like eight or nine shots per game, 15 against, and, you know, not really, not really looking very healthy, kind of like scrapping and holding on. Um, that you can get caught out by style of football, but if the metrics of 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 tracking okay, then I wouldn't worry too much about you know the, your long term potential. Nice. Um, I would be relatively content with where they are. I think they're just missing Glenn Murray, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, well, maybe that's it, isn't it? Yeah, just uh, your finisher, your poacher. Like honestly, someone... though, jokes aside, like he he's an old boy of course and i think he might be playing in the championship now or something in yeah, terms of forest i think <laughs> yeah but he's um 
He's a great. He was a great finisher, and actually, he came up to the Premier League and did pretty well. I was just looking at some um, XG Delta, and um, and some more pays the second most underperforming of his XG in the Premier League of all players this season. Number one, Kevin De Bruyne. Yeah, I mean, that, and that's the funny thing, isn't it? Because like nobody cares because he creates so much. Nobody actually yeah. cares about the fact that his shooting has been has been pretty poor this year. Uh, yeah. yeah, so it's never you know, it never helps when you miss a pen as well. I can say people did care about De Bruyne because everyone was captaining him and he kept missing these big chances in the box. Yeah. And yeah, <laughs> so, but um, then he got injured and a lot of people, a lot of people ended up selling him. So we've got one final question on this headline. So from Chips and Chops, um, since you guys do a lot of stats based scouting, who, according to you, is the perfect Firmino replacements for Liverpool next season? So I'm guessing Josh's answer will be Glenn Murray. But what about <laughs> what about you, James? <laughs> I, I don't I see. Yeah. I, I, I saw this question I looked at it and I was like alright okay how do I answer this question because I don't I personally think that like I mean for me it's 29 he's going to turn, I think he's going to turn 30 this summer so yeah this is the age that you might actually think about players and, and look at moving them on and maybe you know if you're Liverpool you look at his physical stats and think like is he is he physically producing as, as much as he used to but I think of their front three because they're all similar age aren't they they're all 28-29 um I wouldn't like to commit to one of those players and say like, right, that's the player we're going to move on from first, because I think it's quite a fluid situation. I think they did the right thing going out and, you know, the world thought they were going to buy Timo Werner and they didn't, they bought Jota. But I think they did the right thing, essentially buying a relatively versatile young version uh, that they could slot into pretty much any of those slots. Uh, You know, you can imagine Jota's talented enough to kind of like play wherever and then just kind of like play it by ear maybe contracts come into this this situation where you actually you know one of those players you actually is banging on the door saying i want a new contract it'll also be interesting to see if they're playing in the europa league next season if they're playing in the europa (laughs) league next season then um surely salah and mana are going to get a few offers yeah i mean maybe i mean people i think people outside that 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 kind of that kind of aspect as well like you know it's and the fact that liverpool have won the champions league as well with them it's not like I need to leave to achieve my dream, that kind of, that kind of thing. Although that, you know, it will play in some players' minds. But yeah, my my general general view is that you know Jota is essentially their their first tier replacement for those three. You know, maybe they don't buy another one this summer. Maybe they wait to the following summer, and then they're very good at kind of like identifying players so i can't really give a good name because i wouldn't move on from him yet i i still think there's you know there's enough and he's because he's 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 less physical than mane and salah like you know if his, if his physical talents actually decline um like it's it's probably less of an impact to his actual game than uh mane or or salah so yeah i you know, you, it's easy to think, oh, let's move on quickly. And maybe Chelsea are kind of like seeing this now. Like Chelsea trying to move on relatively quickly, get past the old guard. Tuchel arrives and starts picking most of them again. And sometimes it's hard to get past and to get that transition through. So, yeah, I wouldn't rush it. But that's my just my opinion. Yeah, awesome. And Josh, so Glenn Murray? I mean, no. Um, the the obvious answer is 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 to go. Oh, you know, they should get Haaland, and Haaland's the best thing since sliced bread and stuff. But I think what everyone needs to kind of think about is what Firmino does for Liverpool, and Firmino 
is not the guy who scores 20 goals a season. He's never been the guy who scores 20 goals a season. And it's what he does for the team. And Klopp talks about it time and time again, In is that he plays that similar role to the Jesus often plays for, for City, in that he he, he comes back, he, he wins the ball back in midfield, um, and he does all the dirty work that essentially means that Mane and Salah can, can essentially concentrate on scoring the goals. Um, I actually think that what I would love to see them do is play Mane in, in his role um, and not not quite, you know, obviously uh, do quite as much of the defensive work, but, but still he has got that to his game. He can track back a bit more. He can, you know, win a, win a tackle a bit more. He's great in the air in terms of being in the middle and then play um, Yotta on the left. I think Yotta on the left... Um, and uh, Mane in the middle with Salah on the right could be really interesting as opposed to trying to look for a direct replacement for Firmino. Glenn Murray's one of the few footballers older than you, but also happy birthday uh, for the other day. Um, we'll move on to our second headline. So our Thanks, strategy, man. that's all right. That was, that was a nice thing. So, is, he, is he older than me? Let me just double check. Yeah, this. he is. He's 37. He looked it up. 37, yeah. Because I remember I found out on one of our first pods that Billy Sharp's older than me when I called him old. Um, Yeah, don't don't, don't, don't talk about about it like you're some spring Oh, sorry, younger than me. Billy Sharp's younger than me. Anyway, second headline, our strategies after double game week 26. So we got a question from Kendo on Twitter. What assets should we be building towards blank game week 29? And is game week 30 a good time to wildcard? So we've got this blank game week coming up. So there's only going to be eight teams playing in 29. So the key teams are Fulham against Leeds, Brighton again against Newcastle, West Ham, Arsenal, and then Villa against James's Spurs. If we start with you, James, are there any players from those eight teams that, that you'd maybe be looking at? I think, well, I mean, this, we're way out of my comfort zone now, so I'll, I'll keep it brief. I'll leave, this is your guy's territory. But, <laughs> That's fine. but I think I, I'm, I'm quite sweet on Tottenham. I'm a Tottenham fan. I'm quite sweet on Tottenham generally because they ain't playing Liverpool or Man City again. And like they did that, that, that just suits me. Like, regardless of Liverpool's quality um, or not, or whatever you feel about them, like Tottenham Liverpool is just a disaster every time, and I hate playing them. And Man City is killing everyone. So I think, I think generally, managing your Tottenham assets isn't a bad kind of, um, isn't a bad plan um, going forward, at least in the kind of like mid to short term. Because I just don't think they've got like, I think they might have played Chelsea twice as well. Their, their, their fixtures, you know, the, the the bean fixtures are behind them. Yeah, they've got they've got really nice fixtures, and um, that that week where only four four games are going ahead, they've got they've got Aston Villa as well. I mean, would you go for Bale or Son if you had to, to pick one, for example? Um, I, I mean, I'd, I'd I'd probably pick Son. I mean, he's he's interesting because he was so far over expectation early in the season; it was it was crazy. But he generally is. Like I think I, I looked at this as well. Like for kind of like goals and assists, he's last four of the last five seasons he's been like one of the kind of like top five, 10 players for being over expectation. He is a legitimately elite finisher as is Kane. Um, but like, you know, when it comes to Bale, Bale looked brilliant today and it looked, you know, kind of looked back to his best and seems to have, seems to have worked his way back into the, the Premier League um, starting lineup and, and made you well, but you're always going to be, have questions about his fitness and he'll probably go off uh, on the hour mark most weeks. So, you know, that's, just just for sheer reliability i think uh son's probably the probably the guy but i'd probably even rate kane over over him as a you know as an option awesome awesome um what about you josh you know what what are you doing so what you have you used all your chips now 
I have, yeah, used the bench boost last. The chips have been yeah. horrendous for me. I've used season. mine as well. So <laughs> just, yeah, just never get it right with them, really. I just, um, yeah, just never really uh, enjoy using them. But um, yeah, in terms of the, uh, uh, in terms of blank game at twenty nine, I personally think that Brighton, Newcastle, and West Ham, Arsenal are a bit of a wash in terms of what to expect there, what to predict there. Can't see either of them as high-scoring games. Can you see any clean sheets then? Maybe for Brian, but I'm not that fussed. So I personally think it's more about Fulham v Leeds and Villa v Spurs. So I think that, yeah, it makes sense to get three Leeds in again. And I think Villa v Spurs, obviously we're going into this, um, this game week that we're in now with Villa in bad form, no Grealish, you know, and... You know, they've turned up at, uh, at Ellen, Ellen Road and taken a 1-0 win. And they didn't look amazing, but they didn't look too bad. So, um, uh, you know, they'll probably give Spurs a good game in game week 29. But I think really, you know, at the moment, I'm sat with uh, three leads, uh, Kane, Martinez and um, Adamola Lutman as my six. And then I've obviously got three transfers to use to get me to nine. Um, and that's that's fine, really, for me. Um, yeah, I think not. Yeah, if you can get eight, nine, ten, or, or yeah. 11, obviously, that's that's. I'm not, plenty, I'm not going to start taking hits to bring in Dunk or, uh, you know, something like that. I just don't think it's worth it. No, I mean, I had to, I've, I've just wildcarded. So obviously I was trying to build towards, I had to build towards the doubles. Um, bearing in mind there could be a Villa and Everton double as well. So what I've done is I've actually got seven uh, players on this wild card that I've just done um, that play in 29. So I, I could potentially, with three transfers, I could get up to 10. And I could have had eight if I'd gone for Watkins over Vardy, um, but I just just couldn't resist. So it's, I'm just looking at really cheap players. So I, ha- I went for Kane and Son as my more premium ones. Um, then I've got Martinez and Konza. Uh, I've gone for Saka. Um, I knew he wouldn't play yesterday because there were comments, you know, that he was that he was tired. But someone like Saka, I've also got Lookman um, and Eiling as well, because I didn't get on Dallas early like you. So Eiling can be fine. Obviously, James has mentioned Brighton, the defensive asset. So, I mean, someone like Ben White, I wouldn't trust Lamptey who's coming back because owning him was a nightmare. Owning Lamptey was worse than owning owning Reese James, and I, I don't say that one lightly. But yeah, it's just just building towards that that 29, and I think just getting as many as possible if if we haven't got the got the free hit. Should we should we go to the piss break and then we come back? Sounds good. Awesome. Um, so the Iceman's piss break, of course, it's sponsored by FPL Merch. All right, mate. Oh, hey. Having a good night? Uh, yeah, fine, thank you. I'm just watching the game. Oh, yeah, me too, me too. Do you like mugs? Um, what, like receptacles? Ah, yeah, like coffee mugs. Yeah, mugs. Do you like them? Uh, I suppose. Well, mate, if you play FPL, there's this guy right on Twitter called FPL Merch who makes mugs exclusively for those belter managers who finish in the top 100,000 right I'm talking 10k 50k 100k and I'm drinking out of one right now that I've got from last season because I did so well and I don't drink out of anything else are you interested my friend um no I'm all right thanks mate but if you get a top 100k finish then why not celebrate with an FPL merch top 100k mug 
Mate, no offence, but you're being the weird guy in the pub toilet. Only £10, our brilliant mug to mark your brilliant season. Seriously, don't worry about it. Thank you, but I've got to go back to the second half. He'll be back. He'll be back. Okay, so welcome back, listeners. Now, we've powered through the majority of the questions already, but we've still got a couple more from the community, um, although one of them's actually from Josh. Um, so we've got a question from mbison22 on Twitter. Mark is asking, is XA a reliable metric for a player's assist potential? The data always seems a little off and not as reliable as XG. And linking into that, Josh has asked, um, how do you work at XG? No, XA. Oh, X. Oh, also about XA as well. I'm saying that essentially XG, I can understand, is very simple how they work it out. It's just basically how the quality of the chance. Um, but how do they work out XA? Ah, okay. Well, this, is, this is this is yeah. This is a this is not a straightforward question. So let's clear the decks for the next half an hour. No, I'm joking. Okay. <laughs> right. So like we, we, we collect, obviously we collect these things, but we call X, XA XG assisted, which is more actually descriptive of what it is, because like, I think what most people understand as XA um, is the value of the resultant shot from the, from the key pass or the chance created. So, you know, if you, if you set up a, set up a shot, um, if De Bruyne crosses it in, uh, it's, five yards out and the xg of that shot is 0.5 then kevin de bruyne gets 0.5 expected assists for that um there is a solid argument and other other people may like value every pass that's made into any zone and create a model that values the potential a, a, the assist value of every pass that you make into into a kind of dangerous zone that gets a little bit complicated and a bit more difficult to uh, explain but i think in, ge- in general terms um xa is understood to be just the value of uh, the resultant shot but credited to the assister um now it, it, it can be quite i can see why it might be quite noisy because like it, you could you could create a situation where you, you pass the ball to a player who beats three men and then beats the keeper and tucks it in. Now your assister there is getting like 0.7 or whatever expected assists. Yeah, all they did was shuffle it three yards to the side, you know, 30 yards from goal. So that's noisy and like not necessarily like representative. I think if I was kind of like going at it for, to to understand like what what do I what do I care about from like a kind of performance perspective and even just looking at um even just looking at kind of like open play key passes if you can get to that kind of start and understanding you know or chances created in the box these kind of things you know all all expected numbers do are, are just like modeling like these football realities like shots or assists or goals or you know key passes or whatever it is so you can you can do quite a lot of work just actually like st- taking one step back and like understanding like what what is what are the components going into this so sometimes you'll have a player with like a relatively high expected number of be it assists or goals and you dig into it and you realize okay well like they created a lot of you know, like three or four chances that were very high value and that skews everything else uh and really you probably want to know like uh you know how reliably do they create kind of like standard chances if you know what i mean just like shots in the box 
uh, as to whether that's going to be repeatable because it's more repeatable to, to say that a player is likely to create a lot of you know a, a volume of chances within the box than to say a player is likely to create a volume of chances from three yards out if that makes sense i don't know if i explained myself very well but there's 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 subtleties around like around like this so you can take the, the aggregate numbers and like and like look at them but if you're finding them noisy and not as predictive as maybe you're expecting then there's a possibility then that that's that's kind of why so with the goal it's the spurs goal i'm thinking of um i think it was yeah it was last season the, the son goal against burnley where vertonghen yeah. passed it to him in obviously in his own half how would how would that be calculated for like for vertonghen's xa for example yeah well i mean it's it's key pass right you know there's got to be a line somewhere yeah. <laughs> i mean yeah. whether you like it or not there's there's, there's got to be a line somewhere whether you whether you think that's an assist or not i mean that this isn't the outlier but like the, the resultant expected uh, assist or XA value will be the value of Son's shot. Now yeah. that's semi-ludicrous if you're actually, you know, if, if if every if every assist and key pass, you know, was formatted uh, using those rules and with that kind of discrepancy between location, then it would be it wouldn't wouldn't have any value whatsoever. But that is the absolute extremity of it. Yes, no, but, it is. <laughs> but that's why I think like you know you can actually like boil it down because I, I think it may possibly Ross Barkley or something. You get players that are quite good at just like picking the ball up thirty yards out and shuffling it three yards wide. Sorry, three yards to the left of them, and then someone has a dig. They've got a key pass. They've got another one. They've got another one. And, you know, so they can rank quite highly for, say, just a key pass metric, but they'll actually rank quite lowly for an expected assist metric because they're not setting up good chances. So, again, it's a case of, like, I think I said 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 earlier when, you know, when, when you're talking about teams and you're talking about the shot volume and the expected numbers, like, these things speak to each other. So, again, it's like, you know, the the volume of chances is, is relevant and then the quality of the chances is relevant too. And you'll always get more out, more insight out of it. If you actually balance up these two things rather than, I think there's, there's probably a push to just like, kind of like, you know, pick, pick, pick a metric order by that metric and who's at the top, who's at the bottom. Like, you'll get better results if you actually kind of like pick a series of metrics and really focus in on the, the actual kind of like the football reality of what you're trying to look at. Mm. One other um, one other thing I was going to ask um, was just really for uh, for both us and and the listeners really was um, any sort of teams or particular players that you uh, have in mind to keep an eye on between now and the end of the season from a you know that have that have stood out for you from a stats perspective or maybe a team that's underachieving or overachieving or a player that's under or overachieving. Well, I think, yeah, I mean, the thing that springs to mind immediately, and I think we'll cover this in in, um, in a little bit, is, is Chelsea's defence. Like, immediately, as soon as Tuchel's gone in there, they're giving up nothing. They're giving up no no shots at all. And even the 10, they gave up 10 shots today, I think, against Man United. And you look at the chart, and it's like eight of them are outside the box. And like other games, they've given up like four shots, three shots and stuff. And it's a cl- classic example where, where you've got new information, you've got a new manager, and you, you know you within a handful of games you you feel like you've got quite a strong read of what they're going to do and they might be a bit unfun and their attack might not be clicking but right now they give they're, they're giving their opponents very little to actually feast on so then the question becomes like who's who's regularly playing for Chelsea in defence and I think their centre backs are a little bit more reliable they've been rotating their full backs a little bit mm. haven't they like I think you know Alonso had played a lot of games and then Chilwell started this weekend. Um, but yeah, so so you know, that, I think that's that's a that's a good example of defense. 
good example of some, something that you can probably like move quite quickly on. Like I'd probably, I'd probably, I'd even be tempted to kind of like move positively towards Liverpool. Though I still, this you see, they're still, still struggling. They're probably a bit expensive, but there's, no, there's no way they're going to carry on losing games at the rate they have been. There's too much quality in that team. You know, they beat Leipzig two 0 literally a week ago. This isn't mm. suddenly a bad team. So, the, so there's a few things like that. I think you know, understanding like the, understanding the where the noise is, you know, where where thing where things are noisy, and and like where um where things are likely to go in the near future uh, is quite relevant. Arsenal are a good, an interesting one. Like who's, who, who gives a stuff about Arsenal from an FPL perspective this season? Probably nobody. But if you look at their last 10 games, I think their expected numbers are actually quite good. So you could say like, okay, this team, this team, this team may well have turned the corner again. They're a difficult team when it comes to selection. Uh, like, you know, who, who are they actually going to pick? But their attack looks like it's, I think, yeah, last 10, what is it? Maybe even third or fourth, their attack in the last kind of 10, nine, 10 games, third or fourth in the league. Now, you know, they're still kind of marooned in mid table. Um, but you think, well, maybe this is a team that's getting its act together. Um, and, and conversely, to that, I think Everton are a team that have, um, you know, people probably think they're better than they actually are. Their metrics in the last kind of, you know, nine, 10 games have been quite, quite poor. Um, specifically that their defense doesn't look very sharp at all at the moment. So yeah, just, just keep keeping an eye on things, how things move, like things move all the time. It's easy just to, just to put up a data, you know, a database or a chart of the whole season and think this is how good this team is. And then you split it up and like split it up to kind of like the last few games or something. And you think, oh, actually, of course, schedule affects it, but then you think, oh, actually, you know, this team's better than I thought it was. And and quite often, I think people are slow to react to that because they're still they're still looking at say Villa and thinking like, oh, Villa, are, Villa are the good team that I remember from through two months ago, not realizing that their metrics have slowed up and you know they're maybe not not in the same form as they were before. That kind of thing. Mm. I'm, glad, I'm glad you said Arsenal as I've just bought Sakharin on my on my wild card. So we go on to our feedback. Um, so we got some feedback this week from FPL Alern. He said, it's fun when a podcast is out early with the episode. This was very good and went in depth on what to expect in the future. Very entertaining and fun and had a very skilled guest in Hogsrud. Well done, guys. So Mikhail Tokvam's algorithm. So if you go to patreon.com forward slash transfer algorithm, um, you can sign up there to have full use of the algorithm. And as always, he's doing the Iceman's team uh, each week and then the Iceman reads it and tends to just do whatever he wants to do um so his team is martinez and pope he's got diaz trent stones stroik and Lauten, salah bruno rafinha gundawan and basuma and up top he's got kane calvert lewin and watkins which seems to be quite a popular trio at the moment now mikhail's feedback to the iceman is with six players in game week 29 currently including stroik and basuma you're in a bit of an awkward position with your last wild card. Do you make the struggle to field something worthy in 29 or do you give in and play your wild card that week? With three free transfers until then, theoretical hit max is nine. But given the amount of games before that time, the theoretical max isn't realistic. Therefore, it seems the correct line will be to plan for a game week 29 wild card, wild card and in the blank. Something which means you are able to think really short term at the moment to gain back some lost ground in the meantime. So in the short term, it's definitely up in the air if any hit for KDB is worth it overplaying Gundogan captain in the coming double game week. Based on the transfer algorithm, that's definitely the case. And Stones is the one to go to to let go from your City 3. Bruno is the weakest ranked big gun, making way as well. This leaves you with replacement in the 5 million bracket. And for a short term punt, Vestergaard is a decent punt. If not, Villa against Everton is rescheduled for time in game week 28. 
Coleman would be a way, way better punt. So Mikel saying to get rid of Bruno for KDB and get rid of Stones for a defender and to wildcard in, in, in the blank game week. So we're also partnered with Fantasy Football Hub and have been given the exclusive sign-up offer code. That's SURGERY15 in capitals. So go to fantasyfootballhub.co.uk and you can sign up there and get 15% off with that code. That code again is SURGERY15. And we are partnered with FPL Doodles at FPL Doodles 1 on Twitter. And he does the artwork for the pod release tweet every week. That's at FPL Doodles 1. Um, so, Josh, we haven't got league updates again, have we? Because we're in the middle of a game week. No, just just very quickly going back to Mikel's thing of recommending Seamus Coleman. Yeah, I know. My, my ears pricked up and I was like, how has Rich not made a bigger deal of that? You know, the kidding. algorithm recommending Seamus Coleman. Yeah. <laughs> the, 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 the man that's, you know, that's been uh, burning on my bench for, for weeks after weeks. So he's obviously now no longer there, but... Yeah, cause uh, I was I was shocked by that. I didn't was, read that pre-pod. <laughs> there was two reasons I didn't do it. The first one is a couple of Irish listeners don't like us keep slagging off Seamus Coleman. Oh, okay. He's but a also, legend, hence why also, I had him in my team. I know, I know. But also, I'd read so much there, I was a bit out of breath, and I couldn't be bothered to even take the Mickey out of you. That's <laughs> no. Well, don't take the Mickey out of me. Seamus Coleman's being recommended by Mikel's transfer algorithm. Well, he did say Vestergaard as well, so yeah, but he's been pretty decent. When 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 Southampton have been decent, he's been yeah, decent. Double game week dependent that one. But um, should we move on? Yeah. Yeah, you thinking of getting him back? No, I'm not. <laughs> Definitely not. Not a what, chance. But for the Irish listeners out there, I love Seamus Coleman. I think he's a he's a class right back. He's just unfortunately at the wrong end of his career. There we go. And we'll move on to our transfers and captains. James, have you have you thought, you know, what transfers you're gonna do this week? Not really. I mean, like, so it might be it might be a, w- a week in the team for Sam Maximan, or I might just stash it for a, for another week. I don't know. I haven't thought about this. This this whole pod has been quite informative for the future that I haven't considered. So, <laughs> like, well, I'll, we, I'll, I'll I'll react. <laughs> well, no, so we got Man City are playing twice this twice. Yeah. So they play twice this week, and they're playing twice next week as well. So. Right. That's, yeah, that's that's good. That's good. I I, I, I am pro Man City, so that's, yeah. that's all right. So it might be Sterling <laughs> again for your captain, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, why why change a habit of a lifetime? You know, it's, <laughs> it'll <Brilliant>. be fine. <laughs> <laughs> what about yourself, Josh? What are you thinking? Uh, well, Harvey Barnes injured now. Uh, sounds like he's got to have an operation as well, so he's going to be out for a, a few weeks at least. Um, so I'm going to have to probably play Lookman away to Liverpool, which is not ideal. So it's either lose Barnes with my one free transfer or just play Lookman, suck it up and roll. Um, and that's probably what I'll choose to do to get some more information and potential game week 28 double um, get scheduled between uh, Everton and Villa. Um, as for captain, it's all dependent on the City team sheet against, uh, who are they playing? Wolves um, in midweek. Um, if Gundogan, for example, was benched, then he'd definitely be, I think, my captain um, in game week 27. Um, but I'm not sure. I, I mean, really, I'd quite happily go with Salah or Kane. Both got great fixtures at home. But I'd rather go for a City player, really, ideally. I'm guessing you're uh, you're going to go for De Bruyne. Um, yeah. So I mean, it's it's quite hard saying this early, isn't it, when we're halfway through a game week? But yeah, I've got De Bruyne, I've got Gundogan, and I've got Cancelo, and 
my plan is to try and roll because I've set my wild card up, you know, for the next few game weeks. So I want to try and take two free transfers going into into 28. But I mean, it, it depends really. It depends on that Man City team, like you say, against Wolves. Because I wouldn't be against, you know, if Gundogan plays again and doesn't have any shots again, I could look at doing Gundogan back back to Foden, who I just got rid of. Just, yeah, um, is there not a more? I I, I really. I, Theoretically, I feel like getting away from Gundogan is, is like the right thing to do right now. Like he's had it's such an insane run that he's had. It's not gonna it's not gonna recur surely. And especially right. with De Bruyne back in the team, kind of like you know just pulling some strings or whatever. I don't know. It's, it's just such, such an outlier for like his whole career that he just scored this massive <laughs> bunch of goals altogether. I just feel like I maybe it's just me. I just I just feel you know you got a lot of lot of picks in City and it could go horribly wrong. But like I just feel like you know I don't want him. I think it's about um it's about starts. You know he he plays in centre midfield and is therefore a little bit more nailed. Whereas you start to get involved with the likes of Sterling, Mares, Foden, you often get burnt. You know, two defenders and people, anyone, many people doing that. At yeah, the moment? I've got I've got two That's defenders. A, co- and a common thing, yeah. A lot of people do. I've got Diaz and Cancelo and Gundogan. I, yeah, so. I can I can I can I can get with that as a concept. Yeah, I'm probably absolutely. in the minority going for the two midfielders, and obviously it's worked well for people who had Stones and Diaz this week. So obviously they they both both scored, mm. but. Yeah, part of me does want to move Gundo into Foden, but it's it's difficult because so many people own him now. It's just it can be like quite bad for the rank, yeah, you know, if and when he seems to score. Come and um, join me down at two million. Come on, sell I'm, him. I'm, Get rid I'm of not, him. I'm not I'm not that far <laughs> ahead of you, James. I'm really not. I mean, I've just squeaked into the top million. <laughs> so there's probably not that many points actually between us. <laughs> and if I sell Gundo, yeah. <laughs> But hopeful, we move on hopeful to for the future. <laughs> we're, we're going to so we've got differential picks. We've we've all picked one. Um, so so who's your one, James? Well, originally it was um, originally it was Alonso, and then he didn't pick him. So so then I switched to Rudiger. But like I've already talked about Chelsea's defence. So I, I you know I, I I I'm wondering about Curtis Jones. I don't you know any thoughts on Curtis? No, I'm joking. He, he's just scored, I think. So, uh. Yeah, he scored just as you started talking about Liverpool. Might turn it around. He scored about thirty <laughs> seconds later. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'll, I'll, I'll just reinforce, reinforce my 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 idea around Chelsea's defence and and someone from Chelsea's defence. If if you haven't got a Chelsea defender right now, then I think you're not doing it right because. Like they just give up nothing, and you might as well have, you might as well use some money on a Chelsea defender. I've got Rudiger at the moment. Uh, he was out of favour. He seems to be in favour now, and he's playing every week, and they're not giving up much. So that's points on the board for me. I can tell you a cautionary tale with Chelsea defenders because I had three of them earlier in the season. I had Reese James, Zuma, and Chilwell, and obviously they've all been dropped. I mean, I'm I'm fascinated as to what brought brought you to that position. <laughs> I'm thinking that Frank, Frank Lampard's Chelsea was was the way forward from a yeah, defensive perspective. I, but I think it was uh, they had Sheffield United, then Newcastle, and then Spurs, oh, and I right. just went yeah went a bit too. I think I went a bit over the top. Um, and then obviously there's been a lot of rotation recently. So yeah, I think maybe Rudiger's is he the only one who's nailed? Because obviously Thiago Silva might come back soon. That's Villarreal's nailed. He's yeah, expensive. and, there, and there's, there's three centre backs as well. So, like, you know, yeah. I, I appreciate you know you're not getting the kind of the other end of the pitch out of them, but he's he's I think he started all of, yeah, what's he started the last one nine nine of the last yeah 
And he's yeah, cheap. He's cheap as well. Yeah, he's cheap. He's and he what he got one, two, three, four, five, six. You know, six times he scored point six times out of those games. So what's 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 not to like? It's just a shame he hasn't got the goal threat of Zuma. He was on he was on quite the run earlier. Yeah, in the yeah, it's funny, yeah, because he seems to fall a little bit out of favour, doesn't he? Again, yeah. so riff with what's happening, you know, who's who's being picked, and it'll, it'll go wrong, obviously. Liverpool ain't it? Oh no, that's part of this game week, so we don't worry about that. <laughs> trying to tempt me back to the Chelsea defenders. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do that. Yeah, this is all for the future. <laughs> and what about you, Josh? I've gone with Lingard. I don't want to, and uh, but he's he's looking great at the moment, and I think. He's going to be trying to play himself into that Euros uh, squad for England. Uh, he's only 3.5% owned. They've got a nice game against Leeds this week coming up, game week 27. Obviously playing the blank game week 29. Um, so I think he's a great pick. Really, really good pick. He's taking loads of shots as well. Like mm. um, over three a game, which is you know un- unheard of. But I think he's got, I think he took four shots yesterday, and you know maybe they're not all great shots, but he he, he can time a run, can he? he can get he's, he's, he's definitely got a bit of a license to uh, to play um, mm. there. You know, with the, with the way that they 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 play and um, the position he's in, he sort of um, seems to be. In, in sort of a, almost a bit of a free roll really and he's he's 5.9 million so he's um it's pretty cheap maybe yeah. i should move on harvey barnes to him this there's, week there's a, bit of a risk. there's a bit of a risk with lingard because i almost had him on my wild card but he can't play in game week 28 obviously against the man united oh, so that's good, good one good one one to one to bear in mind um yeah if you can get away with that yeah i agree i agree um my one i had bail and i I, I want to break the rules and not go for that because um, <laughs> Saka, he technically isn't under 5% owned. He's 8% owned. But I mean, after what James said about Arsenal and they've got a great upcoming run, they don't, you know, they play in 29. He's only 5.2 million as well. Also has rested this game week. He's rested this game week. Yeah. Which we did know about like beforehand. So it wasn't you know, unexpected. I, I'd rather go for him than Bale. I know Bale's lower owned, but I think Saka's a little less obvious. Um, so well, yeah. you're not gonna, you're not going to have many Arsenal players, are you? And you probably have got. You, just, there's a chance you've got one of the one of the Tottenham forwards already, haven't you? So it's yeah. a question of whether yeah. you want to whether you want to kind of duplicate, I guess. Yeah, I just I like the shout with Arsenal, and I think he's the only way of getting in there getting in there cheaply. Because um, obviously, Bamiang's really expensive this season. I mean, he'd be a crazy crazy differential. Please help support the podcast at patreon.com forward slash FPL Surgery. Please join the FPL Surgery Podcast League. The code is 439HW9. That code again is 439HW9. You can find us on Facebook, SoundCloud, Reddit and Twitter. The Twitter handles at FPL Surgery. Subscribe on iTunes. Please rate the podcast five stars and send us an email, fplsurgerypodcast at gmail.com. James, thank you so much for coming on. Where can people find you on social media? And do you want to plug anything um, uh, while you're on? <laughs> not, not loads. I mean, I, I, you can find me on Twitter at Jaya1970. Um, I work for Statsbomb. Um, I think I'm, I'm not actually the head of analysis anymore. I'm thinking I'm a head of product, um, oh. one of the head of heads of product. It's, it's a fast moving environment, but basically we, we collect data. We've got a, we've got a cool new data set coming this year. Uh, in the, well, actually, in the next month, where it's called Statsborn 360, whereas we actually kind of uh, we're basically boosting event data, whereas you know you just get the kind of events, uh, you know, in normal collection. We're actually getting player locations around it as well, so you can actually see, like, you know, is there is there a, is a pass, you know, can you make a pass through a 
through a crowded uh, pitch or not and these kind of things and various degrees of pressure we, we're always move, we're always trying to move forward with what, what we do um and you know that's that's my that's my day job that's what what i do i don't write much anymore on our podcast is sadly we've got too many customers uh so we don't do uh controversial opinion podcasts anymore um <laughs> because risk of offending them but i can come and talk fpl once a year or now and then kind of thing and uh, that's fine so yeah but thanks for having me on no thank you no i i think i i don't know about you josh but i've learned a lot and you know yeah, it's completely the, different yeah. insight that that we can give the brighton thing's really interesting and um pleased to hear the chelsea defense is uh looking good i just hope that we can score a few more goals because at the moment watching us is um pretty boring do you know who's just scored go on Firmino. oh wow <laughs> <laughs> that was perfect timing absolutely perfect timing i mean i'm sure i get ruled out by var in a minute but he looks like he's just scored so there we are they're not moving good on good stuff the goals man <laughs> that, could, that could be the title for the podcast <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> awesome. So, Josh, you've just got one more thing to say. Up the pod. Up the pod. Up the pod. Up the pod.